This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. A very special Sunday morning at that. After months of excitement and anticipation, the big day is finally upon us. That's right, Wednesday is Valentine's Day. Of course, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll have plenty to say about that as well. But while millions are looking forward to the big game, one thing that's certainly more universal than our love of football is love itself. And where there's love, there is on occasion regret, as Susan Spencer will tell us. So what's the main takeaway? Author Daniel Pink, who's been studying romantic regret for half a decade, has some Valentine's Day advice you may want to hear. If you're somebody you want to ask out on a date, here's what's going to happen in 10 years. If you don't do it, you're going to still be thinking about it and likely regret it. If you do it and get rejected, 
you're gonna be over it in a few weeks. It's gonna be date night everywhere. Romantic regret and what it can teach us about finding love. Coming up on Sunday morning. Among the year's most memorable film performances, actor Paul Giamatti's depiction of a curmudgeonly school instructor looking after some students over Christmas break. His performance has been called a masterclass in melancholy. Leslie Stahl has a Sunday profile. Kenny is the hottest young programmer in New York City. Over his 30-year career, Keep moving! Pop, pop, bam! Paul Giamatti has played a founding father. Good day, sir. An orangutan. Out of my mind. And a very opinionated passion fruit. Wine enthusiast. But off camera? Chianti? Is it Chianti? I don't know what color that is. What is it? Red or white? It's red. It's red. I see, I thought it was white. Later on Sunday morning, the Oscar nominated Paul Giamatti. Faith Saley this morning will take us to a make-believe town a TV show has put on the map. He's gonna be all right. <laughs> For more than 10 years, When Calls the Heart has been one of Hallmark Channel's highest rated shows. But the most remarkable thing about the show might be its fans, the Hardys. I feel like God used the Hardys to help me out. Ahead on Sunday morning, a little show with a big heart. Tracy Smith is in conversation with breakout star Charles Melton from the movie May, December. Plus a Valentine's Day visit with Josh Seftel and his mom. Commentary from our Luke Burbank and more this Sunday morning for February 11th, 2024. And we'll be back in a moment. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We regret the things we don't do more than the things we do. It's not an uncommon observation and seems particularly apropos just ahead of Valentine's Day. Susan Spencer looks at romance and regret. Strolling with her partner on the Brooklyn waterfront, writer Deborah Kopakin looks happy and in love but she admits to a few romantic regrets along the way. I can't imagine a single human being alive today who has had at least one relationship who doesn't regret something. 
Kopakin, now 57, says one of her big regrets goes back to when she was just 22. So tell me the story of the one that got away. Back in 1989, I was in Jamaica and I met a young man. And after a week together, I felt like I had fallen in love with him. They briefly had to part ways, he to London to study theater, she to Afghanistan to cover the war. But they soon reunited for 10 romantic days in England. I thought, this guy's it, I am in love, this is the relationship of my lifetime. Alas, it was not to be. He said he was going to come visit me in Paris two weeks later. And I was in my apartment waiting around. He never showed up. What you do you know, mean he never showed he up? He just never showed up. Back then, of course, there were no cell phones, no internet. He had a very common name, and it's not like you could find somebody back then with a common name, right? So he's just gone. He's gone. He's gone. How did you react to this? I mean, how would you react? I was sad. And I was also confused and heartbroken. Do you think that romantic regret can last a lifetime? Yes, I mean, you see, we see people in their, in their 80s, in their 90s, with these romantic regrets. It sticks with people. Romantic regret, like all regret, is universal, says Washington, D.C. author Daniel Pink. Everybody has regrets. I mean, we have evidence from uh, neuroscience, from social psychology, from cognitive science, that the only people who truly don't have regrets are five-year-olds. People with certain kinds of neurodegenerative diseases don't have regrets, and sociopaths don't have regrets. Everybody else has regrets. For his book on the subject, Pink collected more than 26,000 regrets, many of them from the lovelorn. So this is the database of the regrets you see up here. A vast inventory of unfulfilled love from 134 countries. Not asking out a high school friend on a date. Look at this, high school. High school is 53. 53. Yeah. That's 35 years ago. That's the most common regret, he says, yeah. not taking action. I turned down a second chance in a relationship with someone I loved. She's 40. She lives in Maryland. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, here we go. How about this one right here? Not telling her I loved her. Exclamation point. 54-year-old man from Wisconsin. We're interviewing an art critic who Ooh. thinks that romantic regret is an underlying theme in much great art. What's your take on that? I think that it could be. Um, I mean, I think that, that if it's painting or sculpture or works on paper, it could be another way to make sense of this feeling. But that's yeah. the good thing about it, you know? Jackson Arne is that art critic. He writes for The New Yorker. If the premise is that romantic regret is universal, is art the proof of that? I think art is the proof of that. No matter what else the painting is about, no matter what else the work of art is about, you can almost hear it humming underneath all the other melodies, so to speak. He says that wistful humming can be heard all over the Metropolitan Museum of Art, where we met for our interview. Rodin had a PhD in regret, as far as I'm concerned. And it's not just Rodin. Examples through the ages are in museums all over the world. It could be Edvard Munch falling in and out of love with an older married woman, and he turned the experience into a whole series of paintings called Love and Pain. How about Edward Hopper? I mean, I think of those solitary figures, and something has happened there. That's the thing. Something has happened. 
Maybe it's sexual, maybe it's romantic. You also had picked a painting by Carrie James Marshall mm. called, Could This Be Love? Could this be love? That's always the question, isn't it? We are seeing a romantic scene, but we don't know whether they're coming or going. We don't know if they're beginning an affair or if they're ending the affair. It could be love. It could be the end of love. And you've even gone so far, I think, as to say that love and heartbreak might even be the main reason to make art. Love has always been a great cause of pain, and uh, art is sometimes the best therapy for it. For Deborah Kopakin, the best therapy is what she recommends in her book, Learn From Regret. That's what she did 21 years after her Paris heartbreak when she finally tracked down the one that got away. And I wrote an email and I said, hey, are you the same John Doe that stood me up in Paris back in 1989? <laughs> <You> jerk. <laughs> and he wrote back pages and pages saying, I did go to Paris. I arrived in Paris. I didn't have the piece of paper with your phone number on it. I ended up staying at a youth hostel, and I never found you again. This, movies have been made about this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and a fair to remember. This is exactly what happened to you. I, I was looking up. Who was the nearest thing to heaven? You were there. Oh, darling. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you have a unique perspective on that movie. Kopakin and her old love reunited for lunch on a bench in Central Park. But unlike in the movies, they did not then ride off together into the sunset. Both were already married. And it's not that I wanted to marry him. It's not that I wanted to blow up two families and, you know, who... That would have been terrible, right? right. You know, but it did make me understand what was lacking in my marriage, I realized at that moment that my marriage was faltering and I needed to get out of it. Which brings us back to that Brooklyn waterfront. Now divorced and 35 years since Paris, Kopakin has found true love with someone new, happier perhaps, because of her past regrets. No surprise to author Daniel Pink. We have this emotion regret that makes us feel bad. So why would it be so ubiquitous? And it's because it's useful if we treat it right and we haven't been treating it right. What we should be doing is looking it in the eye, acknowledging it, thinking about it, using it as data. You can choose to decide whether you can use that regret as fuel. If you use regret to make changes, positive changes in your life, then regret is the best fuel in the world. There's young love and not so young love. Here's Josh Seftel and his mom on Matters of the Heart. When's the beauty parlor? Friday. Why do you do Fridays so that you're ready for the weekend? Of course. I want to talk with you about Tinder. The only thing I know about it is that they show faces of the people that want to meet other people and they pick you by how you look. If you swipe to the left, you skip the person. And if you swipe to the right, it means that you want to meet them. I don't like it. I think if you want to meet somebody for a real relationship, that's not the way to do it. Some of the nicest, fun people may not always be the most attractive ones. So, you know, people use it to mainly to hook up. 
Uh-huh. Do you know what that means? To go out together. Well, yeah, but hooking up means more than that. Really? Just be, and you don't know anything about the person? You don't know they don't have a blood test? That's awful. Younger people don't see it that way. They see it as normal now. That's how they meet people. What a crazy world. What would be the first thing you'd say to a stranger that you met on Tinder? Your photograph appealed to me, but I have to be honest with you. I'm really not interested in a fast trip to the bedroom. That seems fair. How does it feel to know that you would be getting swiped by people? You know, you feel like a piece of meat in the butcher case. <laughs> would you try Tinder? No. Why not? I'm not hooking up anymore. <laughs> I mean, you could meet a pervert. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just just because they're handsome. Like, Ted Bundy wasn't bad looking. <laughs> How did you used to date? People would see me and ask me out. I had a lot of dates. In high school, we used to have dances, and we would have a boyfriend for that week. And then when we went to the dance, we'd find another one. It was fun. With dad, we were fixed up. And the first time I went out with him, I didn't even like him that much. And he really didn't like me. But something happened and he asked me out a second time. And I really got to know him that time. And he was really funny and nice and polite, a medical student, a great dancer. And I really liked him. How would you feel about meeting someone new? You know, I'm kind of used to my life now. It isn't that I wouldn't like to meet somebody, but I think it should be natural. I would want somebody to come up to me and say something like, you know, I think it'd be fun. Let's go to a movie and dinner, that kind of thing. I would like that. But I want to tell you something. Men my age, they're looking for women 10 or 15 years younger than them. So a little bit of a dilemma. So you don't want to date any oldsters? Well, I don't want to take care of somebody. What if they were really good looking? It wouldn't hurt. What if they were really rich and handsome? How old? 90. Uh, but are they nice? What if they were rich, handsome, and nice? It might be good while it lasts. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Born in Alaska, raised in Kansas, actor Charles Melton's journey to Hollywood has had some curious stops along the way. But you might say he's arrived. He's in conversation with our Tracy Smith. They're a very beloved part of this community. 
In the film May-December, Julianne Moore and Charles Melton play a married couple with issues. Okay, we all have issues, but they have a few more than most. I'm very sympathetic, but you're starting to upset me. No, you have not been sympathetic. Why can't we talk about it? The movie is said to be loosely inspired by a true story. In suburban Seattle, an admitted child rapist was sentenced this day. Mary Kay Letourneau, a 34-year-old grade school teacher, was sentenced to seven years in prison for having a relationship with one of her underage students, Vili Falau. I did something that I had no right to do. When Letourneau was released in 2004, she and Falau, who was by then 21, got married and raised their two children. For Charles Melton, the role of Joe, the young husband, was both a huge opportunity and a terrifying challenge. For Joe, there's so much weight he's carrying, and it really stems in his soul, just deep, this arrested development. And to help tell the story of a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. People, they like see me as like a victim. Melton changed the way he walked, and he put on some weight. How many pounds? Close to 40 pounds. Wow. How? Like five guys, triple cheeseburger with bacon, large Cajun fries, two hot dogs, nacho cheese on them. You know, I made the excuse that it was for my, you know, for Joe's story, but really it was for me. <laughs> you liked it. I loved it. <laughs> yes, I did. That transitioned into me going through a baggy clothes era, which I really enjoy. Truth is, Melton made his name in anything but baggy clothes. As Reggie Mantle in the TV series Riverdale, he was an athletic high school jock who was lean and sometimes mean. Doesn't it kill you, coach, to watch the Bulldogs lose week after week? Yeah, well, it's not all about winning, Reg. Keep telling yourself that, loser. The real Charles Melton was born in 1991 in Juneau, Alaska. His dad, Phil, was a career army man who met Charles's mother, Suk Young, in her native Korea. The family settled for good near Phil Melton's last duty station in Manhattan, Manhattan, Kansas. Charles was a sensitive kid who often wasn't content unless he was holding his mother's hand. My husband called me Charles's mama's boy because when we're riding road trip, always he got me mommy hand. <laughs> so I'm in the front passenger seat and he's in the back and I have to give him my arm oh. like this whole maybe five or six hours. And still I see. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was raised to appreciate his Korean heritage. And it wasn't until I was about 20 when I came to Los Angeles that I learned the term hapa, which is half of something. I did not know what that was. And I think that term, I, I, I would prefer not to say that term anymore. I'm just like, no, I'm Korean American and I'm proud. Moving around that much, was it tough to make friends? Kind of, that's why I fell into sports. what do you think your future was gonna be? Oh, I wanted to play in the NFL. That was my dream for 10 years. And he might've had a shot. Melton was a talented player who would train hard and then sneak back into the Manhattan High School Stadium on his own for a little extra practice. I'd jump the fence, I'd come here late at night, no one in sight, 
I'd lay down, I'd look at the stars. <laughs> I'd walk around this field and just visualize winning, making certain plays. And I would do that before every football game. Do you think it worked? For the games we won, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went on to play college ball at Kansas State, got a few modeling gigs, and in 2012, with a month's worth of food packed by his mother, set out for Hollywood to try his hand at acting. You came to L.A. with what? $500 in a dream. That's <laughs> it. And a lot of ramen noodles. <laughs> and a lot of ramen noodles, yes. Fast forward to 2023 and Charles Melton's riveting performance as a young man struggling with grown-up problems. His inspiration, he says, was drawn from a specific moment in his own childhood when his dad, who was about to ship out for Iraq, told his 11-year-old son that it was time for him to step up. It's still a tough thing for dad to talk about. And so I sat down and I talked to him, told him he's got to be man of the house and everything. You know, and when I reflect back on it, maybe if something would have happened to me, he'd been stuck in that role, trying to be the one where okay. I always plan on. I always plan on coming back. But you don't want to put that on somebody. But I'm glad he can use that. You know, sorry, Army guys are giving me a hard time. <laughs> Charles Melton is keeping his family close. They were with him on a lot of the award season red carpets, and they'll stay at his side for what comes next, whenever and whatever that may be. Okay, so let's talk about the future a little bit. So there are a lot of opportunities out there there's, now. There's a few there's a few things that I'm like really excited about that I'm looking at that I just feel so much gratitude. You know, you don't really ever think about what's gonna come next, usually, especially with everything that's going on in my life right now, you know, just staying grounded. Yeah. I think is... You don't want to look too far ahead? I don't want to look too far ahead. I just want to uh, just uh, trust and have faith that the right thing's going to come when it's meant to come. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odds are our Steve Hartman is thinking about football this weekend. If this was the Super Bowl of news stories, I'd bet anything that people would bet on anything. 
from how many words I'll say to whether I'll gesture more with my left hand or my right. And when I eventually throw this ball, will my dog catch it? These are called prop bets. And in football, it means betting on anything other than the final score of the game. How big has this gotten? Uh, it's gotten much, much bigger than, than even the game. Rufus Peabody is a professional better and co-founder of Unabated Sports. Why do you think the proliferation of this? I think because people have shorter attention spans now than they used to. We want the game to be more like a slot machine than we do a sporting event. To that end, you can now bet on how long the national anthem will be, whether or not someone will miss an extra point. Will Taylor Swift be caught on camera wearing a foam finger? Will she wear red lipstick or some other color? And my personal favorite, when the game ends, what shade of Gatorade will get dumped on the winning coach? What color will a Gatorade bath be? Grown men have actually been debating this all week. Young people like blue Gatorade. I'll go orange. Orange has moved down to plus 500s. And who stands to profit off all this? Aside from the Gatorade delivery guy? The sports books. They're expecting 68 million Americans to gamble $23 billion on the Super Bowl this year. Industry insiders estimate about half that on these crazy side bets. And so, as we near the end of this 273-word news story, where I have gestured more with my left hand than my right, let me ask you one final question. How many of you have been waiting around just to see if my dog will catch this ball? It's the same drama within a drama that fuels this Super Bowl betting frenzy. The sweat. The adrenaline rush. No matter how ridiculous, the reason. Want to go double or nothing? <laughs>
Well, uh, like I said, <laughs> sharp kid, insightful. Someone described the movie as a Scrooge-like Christmas story, mm -hmm. with you being Scrooge. Yeah, it's a little bit of that. It has a Christmas Carol thing. I think all three of the characters are Scrooge a little bit. They all need to kind of move out of a place that they're stuck in. The 56-year-old's performance earned him an Oscar nomination for Best Actor and Critics' Choice and Golden Globe Awards. So you win the Golden Globes. Yes. And you take your award and you go to a burger joint? Sure. Are you serious? Absolutely. But then we went to parties, we went to fancy things, but we got the cheeseburger, you know? I loved it, it's, it's good. Action. His role in The Holdovers hey. was written for him. There's times when I think, why was this written specifically for me, a man who smells like fish that nobody likes? And then I look at it and I go, I think I know. One reason, Giamatti, raised in Connecticut, attended a prep school himself. What in this part was familiar? Most of it was pretty familiar to me. I had teachers that were this sort of strict disciplinarians like this. You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. That's a detention. Yeah. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Now get back here. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a That's another detention. Did you get in trouble? I only got in, yeah, I was not a big troublemaker. I, the way I got in trouble, I'm not kidding, was I would cut classes to go read, like, you know, science fiction books in the library on my own. Really nerdy trouble. Yeah, is totally what I nerdy. Well. Yeah, super nerdy <laughs> trouble, yeah. That bookishness ran in the family. Paul's mother, Tony, was a teacher, and his dad, Bart Giamatti, was once president of Yale and later Major League Baseball commissioner. Your dad died when he was quite young. 51. 51. Yeah. Were you an actor yet? No. I had just graduated from college, and I was sort of... I loved acting. I did it as an extracurricular thing, but some part of me didn't think it was something I would do. Still, he began acting professionally in plays and later movies. And I started making a very small living at it. But I was deceived into thinking, oh, I can do this. This is not too bad. What was your first movie? <laughs> I think it was a kind of, not great, kind of slasher movie. Ah. Yeah, and I had one scene in it. I, I, I swore on the Bible. And, and, and you can go to hell if you swear on the Bible and it ain't the truth. I've never seen it. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned fast. This too shall pass. And he quickly landed small roles opposite some big names. We got stopped by some intense rifle action from the eastward. The Germans have been reinforcing two regiments all day. You have violated my wife. I did you not. You soiled the sanctity of my home. Giamatti has a biopic to thank for his big break. It was about Howard Stern. You're not getting the phone from me, Kenny. No. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Kenny just hit himself in the face. He's bleeding. He played Kenny Pig Vomit Rushton, Stern's put-upon corporate handler. It was a fantastic role. It was a really, really fun part. Why was it fantastic? It was incredibly energetic and kind of crazy role with lots of latitude to do lots of crazy things. You're often described as the king of curmudgeons, mm -hmm. that you play a lot of those kinds of characters mm -hmm. in bad moods all the time. <laughs> 
kind of angry at the world. Uh huh. Does this bother you that you're called curmudgeon-y? I don't mind it. I think it's a great. I think it's a great word. I, I often think that really I just play kind of complicated people, people with a complicated relationship to the world. Aye, aye, Captain, you got it. Like Miles Raymond. We're drinking Merlot. Oh, no, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any. The boozy failed writer and wine snob in the Oscar-winning movie Sideways. Oh, there's just like the faintest sousson of like uh, asparagus, and there's a just a flutter of like a like a nutty Edam cheese. People come up and ask you for wine recommendations. Yes. They do. Oh yeah, and whenever I go to a restaurant, the sommelier gives me the wine list, and I know nothing about wine. Zero. What? I know nothing about Come wine. on. No, nothing. I don't even know which one's what color. So the other day, Chianti, is it Chianti? I don't know what color that is. What is it, red or white? It's red. It's red, okay. I see, I thought it was white. Oh, it's flavors. They're just the most haunting and brilliant and thrilling and subtle. There are a couple of scenes where you're very hangdog and we get to see that basically depressed guy. Mm -hmm. And then you smile. Well, okay. And you go from being a nerd, a nebbish, to being Paul Newman. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> With a great smile, handsome. I mean, it does happen in a flash. But it is that thing of like, it's all here, you know? It's the wordless stuff is, is the most powerful stuff. Paul Newman, that's really nice that's if good. you say that. I was thinking it though, truly. Paul Newman had his race cars. Paul Giamatti has a theremin. I feel like every theremin player in the world is so insulted by what I do. He was here to record his podcast, Chinwag. Why do you do a podcast? It's a good question. I am interested in strange things, weird topics. But the weird topics can be anything from UFOs to Egyptian history. I have all different kinds of theories about Bigfoot because he's super fascinating. Yeah. Hi. Hello. <laughs> he recorded the podcast before an audience at the SF Sketchfest. Great, thank you very much. I'm curious about your uh, technique. <laughs> there isn't one, man. <laughs> the camera loves you. Okay. You're not Errol Flynn. I but... am not Errol Flynn. <laughs> but the camera loves you. You know what, you. dude? That's my memoir title right I there. <laughs> I am not Errol Flynn. In fact, in one of his favorite roles, he played no human at all. Uh, I must be out of my mind. Out of my mind. You played an orangutan. I did. Oh my God, look at you. I loved playing an orangutan. That was really fun. Get them out and get them clean! I was covered head to toe in amazing prosthetic makeup. And so I was completely transformed, which is, for an actor, is great. Like I just completely changed into a monkey. It's like you're hiding. Yes, completely. And, and I wasn't me anymore. I'd look in the mirror and I was gone. What's with the hiding thing? It's an excellent question. It's a very strange way of connecting with other people, I think. It's very weird. I don't know what the explanation is. If you I walk knew, around saying, gee, Paul, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> I do, actually, sometimes. But I actually think it's a good thing. I enjoy being weird. It's okay being weird. Weird is all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. With Faith Staley now, we're off on what you might call a journey of the heart. Once a year, a lucky few get the chance to actually visit Hope Valley. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you guys. An early 20th century town on the Canadian frontier with a church, a general store, and a big heart. Most of the time, the only way folks get to visit here is to watch the place on TV. What a difference a few weeks have made to our little town. You see, Hope Valley is the set of the Hallmark Channel show, When Calls the Heart, a show that takes pride in the fact that it's something of a throwback. There's a real desire for heartwarming entertainment. It's something that I think all of us really want in our lives. My mom says she's glad you're here. I'm glad to be here too. Erin Krako plays a school teacher who 10 seasons ago came to a town then named Coal Valley that was recovering from a mine disaster. Send thy Holy Spirit to comfort and strengthen us. Slowly, with twists and turns and loves gained and lost, the town and she grew up together, helping one another like a family. I hope she can feel the love. I'm sure she can. And viewership grew too. And while she may be the show's star, that's not how she sees it. I am, I am one piece of the heart of the show because we are a show about community. And I think that we wouldn't be Hope Valley, we wouldn't be When Calls the Heart without all of the members of this community. Members of the When Calls the Heart community call themselves Hardies. They are some two million strong. Fans organize online and meet in person in local chapters, like Pat Conley and Celia Sumrall, who became friends through their love of the show. It really gave me an opportunity to meet a whole lot of new people. I told you I cry easily. <laughs> what makes you emotional when you talk about it? I love the show just simply because I like the faith. I love the family atmosphere. I love the way the community comes together. Our world is very divided right now. Hope Valley works through that, and they talk to each other, and they get over it. I wanted to tell you if Faith should come by and check on you. I don't. And when the beloved character Rosemary struggled to finally have a baby at the same time she grieved her own mother, Conley saw some of her own story on screen. That is me, so that hit me really hard. It helps you see that other people have these situations in your life that affect you for life sometimes, but that you can get over them and, and make it through. 
The show is based on the writing of Jeanette Oak, who herself grew up on the Western Plains of Canada. Her Christian romances have sold more than 30 million books. What surprised you the most about Hardy's? Where all they come from and still understand one another. You know, we come from different cultures and different areas of the world, and yet we have that common human need of understanding, working together, feeling, feeling accepted. That accepted, I think, is a pretty big word. For those of you who don't know, I live in Puerto Rico. And so it might not be surprising that Hardys show up for each other in ways large and small. When Hurricane Maria devastated Jelsey Freitez's community in Puerto Rico, Hardys from all over stepped up. They just came together, created a website so everybody could see what was needed, and they just started uh, mailing me things like canned food, batteries, and I feel like God used Hardys to help me out. Not just me, but I was able to bless others with what I received from the Hardys. I had never experienced something like this, this outpouring of love. This sounds just like Hope Valley. Yeah, definitely. The Hardys in that moment exemplified what Hope Valley means. Although When Calls the Heart may be fictional, Jeanette Oak says the effect the show has had is very real. There's lots of places in our world, even in our busy cities and whatnot, where you don't know if you're accepted, you don't have a place to really fit, you don't have anyone to fill that spot in your heart. And I think that's why this show has touched so many hearts. We were made to belong to one another, support one another. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. That's why Huggies is the number one best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit and 12-hour protection against leaks. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Luke Burbank gets the last word this morning. The last three words, to be precise. This Wednesday is Valentine's Day. That special time once a year when a large portion of the U.S. population goes into complete panic, trying to figure out how to show their special someone that they do, in fact, love them and that they did not, in fact, just dig a card out of the back of the glove compartment on the way over. Even though happy holidays from your friends at Les Schwab Tires has clearly been crossed out and replaced with I love you. I love you. Three simple words that can change the course of someone's entire day, but that can also be surprisingly hard to utter. Love ya, lots of love, and the now infamous I love you man 
just don't convey the same feeling. There's a layer of self-preservation to them, of leaving a side door slightly ajar in case you don't get the response you're looking for. Very few words leave the person uttering them more vulnerable than I love you. I've been thinking about these words a lot lately after reading an amazing piece in the Washington Post wherein the writer pointed out the way the Price is Right host, Drew Carey, ends every broadcast by looking directly into the camera and saying, I love you. 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 See you next time. Bye. These days, our lives, both personal and professional, tend to occur at a further and further distance, leading Americans to report feeling more isolated than ever before. We are a nation of people desperately in need of knowing somebody out there loves us. So this week, whatever elaborate romantic gestures you get up to or don't get up to, that's a whole other commentary, maybe take a moment to tell someone who needs to hear it, I love you. It costs you nothing and could mean everything to them. Maybe even more than a card that you definitely did not dig out of the back of the glove compartment on the way over. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Brighten your mornings with CBS News Sunday Morning Merchandise from ParamountShop.com. Shop mugs, sweatshirts, and t-shirts to start your mornings with style. Take 20% off at checkout with code SUNDAY20 at ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all CBS News Sunday morning products with code SUNDAY20 at ParamountShop.com. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.